This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. This is a podcast hosted by Go Eco Waikato. We are a voice for the environment, a centre for learning and a catalyst for change. Our team work across four work streams, kai, biodiversity, transport and enterprise. They intersect at climate action and honouring Te Tiriti as a tau iwi organisation. If you missed last week's podcast, search for Hepuna Kōrero on your favourite podcast platform, or find the podcast tab at the top of the Goiko Waikato Facebook page. My name is Anna, and for this show, we thought it would be good, in particular, to have a look at some of the mahi that's going on around Lake Rotoroa, our wonderful lake in the centre of our city, which has been described as the jewel of Hamilton but the well-being of the lake at the moment might not be quite so jewel-like but we but that's that's the corridor we're talking about uh, the well-being the modi of the lake and I've got a special guest in the studio today Wiramu Puke Kyoda Matua lovely to have you here wondering if you would be able to introduce yourself Oh Kyoda Tato I mihi kawala ki o koutou katoa ki rota te kaupapa o te rā lei te te ahiahi lei ngā kōrero whiriwhiri, ngā kōrero tukuihomai o ngā tipula, o ngā tikaura me ngā tikwairere e noho ana ki te taha te roto ko roto roa I'd like to give the opportunity to thank every, uh, to thank all listeners for um, giving your time to allow me to talk about the uh, the history of that lake, mm. of the lake itself, and uh, what the landscape was like over a period of uh, several centuries. I am a direct descendant of Ngāti Kaura, who uh, occupied Terapa Pa, which was probably the most important part in the vicinity of the lake. I trace a direct line of descent from Kaura herself. Mm. And also, I'm happy to share some of my uh, vision, my vision for the lake as well. Kia ora. And some of the mm. initiatives that we could we could talk about as part of this podcast. Mm. Kia ora. Yeah, we've been having quite a lot of kōrero over a number of years now about the lake. Uh, and you've been a, you know, a really uh, amazing advocate for the lake and generously informing our community on a number of events that we've had around um, the whakapapa and the rich history that is associated with the lake. So just acknowledging you, uh, Wiramu, Nā mihi kia <clears throat> for your generosity, for the way in which you share this history with us, because it's really, really important um, that people understand that particularly before Europeans came, it was a... Um, you know, it has a significant, has a significant kai source in, in particular. I know you've talked that quite a bit with me. So, um, yeah, just anything that you can share in regards to the lake and its importance to the hapu that are here. The entire landscape has completely changed from what it was like over 160 years ago. It's hard to imagine that around the lake uh, there was quite expensive stands of kaikatea, wetland, swamp, and even what is now Frankton and Dinsdale was virtually was one huge uh, wetland. Mosquito and uh, midge infested. There's, uh, I mean, it was it was a very difficult place to even contemplate 
to even settle there. You know, I mean, um, what had probably intrigued my great-grandparents' generation because they were the ones that broke in a lot of the land with what is now Frankton and Dinsdale because they uh, drained the swamp. And the, so the whole notion of Pākehā settling on a wetland that was a food resource, a huge flax resource as well, because flax was a big industry for uh, Ngāti Wairere and Ngāti Kaura at the time. Mm. <coughs> they were talking about it during the 1850s, which actually led to what we call the town belts and various public reserves as we and fragments of that were established immediately after the land wars of 1864 and guided by my tipula who uh, with the surveyors at the time uh, George Blackburn and William Graham basically the Kroa and uh, and other branches of my tipula uh, through my grandmother the Hakopatawaro was my Ngati Wairere connection mm-hmm. Herate uh, Oletapu was Ngati Kaura and she had a lot of uh, mana. Uh, she had her and her brother were the, the main leaders of Ngati Kaura here in Kirikiriroa mm. at the time. Mm. And so they were trading flax. Mm. They uh, grew, they actually had, uh, had pigs. They also provided uh, produce, uh, peaches. Uh, so they were part of the whole revolution of providing kai uh, to the settlers up, up in Auckland, up in Auckland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so you know, this, so the whole of the, around the lake area there was abundant of, uh, of flexes and things that, that, that were suitable for making ropes mm. um, and a whole array of things so what came off the land was, uh, was, was, was tradable mm. For the purpose of uh, being part of the commercial development of our of our nation, mm. prior to the land wars of eighteen sixty three, which which actually was the principal reason why the land was taken in the mm. first place, mm. under the um, <clears throat> under the Land Settlement Act of eighteen sixty five. Mm. Um, so, th- so to imagine Frankton and Dinsdale today uh, as a as I said earlier, uh, you know, ropo, um swamps, uh, you know, pockets of, um, you know, stands of kaikatea. Imagine in pre-human times what this landscape was like and how big those kaikatea trees yeah, would have been. amazing. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's hard to imagine oh, that's so just what, 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 yeah. what it was like. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and the abundance of uh, aquatic life in the lake. Uh, and bird and very rich bird life too, and many of those birds were driven to extinction sadly and mm. and they, um to take ownership that my tip that sometimes didn't didn't uh, uh take the best uh, care of conservation until the next probably the two hundred years later after they first arrived mm. but the earliest uh, date of uh perceived occupation of the area from cuts from the carbon dating uh, from the from the soil, uh, from the samples taken from lakes nearby, which seem to indicate eight hundred years were the earliest times that Poly- ancient Polynesian were here. Mm. Um, so I'm just awaiting uh, some uh, some core samples back to see what date of occupation or evidence of fires that were used and burnt uh, to clear some of the land. Uh, and clearing the land was largely clearing some of the ridge lines for tracks and 
yeah. be able to get better access around to get to hunting yeah. hunting areas. So it wasn't large tracts of land. It was just yeah, yeah. quite focused. Quite focused yeah. burn-offs on the ridge lines, particularly in some parts, to allow for ease of access across. Mm. And so, <clears throat> whatever burnt off from those fires would have uh, been uh, could be found in the pollen record. Uh, but that's an area of um, I don't know at the moment. But I'll be the University of Waikato are actually investigating that as part of the oh. finding more fault lines in our city. Oh, okay. Okay. So I'm part yeah. of, I'm part of that process. Mm. And um my late mentor uh mentor, Professor John McCraw, actually uh described to me that the lake is actually a series of three little lakes in one. Aye, aye. So the point of uh, entry, when you look at uh, at the lake and you've got these the, the narrow parts of it, about a meter and a half underwater is a ridge. So the lake itself is about six meters in deep at, at its deepest. Mm-hmm. So at about a meter and a half down, this is uh, if, the, if the lake was drained, you'll see three distinctive mm. uh, lakes that were that were there originally. Oh. So. Um, <clears throat> we, so it's been manufactured into one. It's been manufactured <laughs> into one. So contrary yeah. to uh, urban myth and conspiracy, it's mm. not a man-made lake. No, it's a no, natural no, lake. Yeah, yeah, sure. Actually, the shape of the lake hasn't changed much at all since the 1860s. Mm. But the only parts that have basically changed is we, and as commoners is when the, um, that was actually the earth fill that was um, trucked away from when Garden Place Hill was mm. made. Was, um, mm. when, uh, yeah, Garden Place, when the, when the hill was that, uh, that extended through there, where much of the fill from that, from that cutting mm. uh, was trucked and dumped uh, to where in this common is. Now, uh, how I know this, but that my grandfather some was... Some good topsoil in there then. It was good topsoil. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you could grow like, some stuff in, yeah. in this common. <clears throat> so you couldn't get it. You couldn't actually get around that lake at the time. It was swamp. Um, yeah. How I noticed, my grandfather was employed by the, uh, the during the depression period, mm. and it's uh, he was employed on the basis that he knew that land, mm. and um, I suppose uh, he was lucky to. Yeah, there were many men that wouldn't uh, were able to get jobs, but he was able to work on the. Which was probably pretty harrowing for him to see a sacred hill like Garden Place mm, being aye, excavated away, aye. then known, him knowing mm. its history, and seeing all that, mm. all that sacred dirt being aye, aye. chucked off and used somewhere else. Mm. Uh, so that's how I know. Um, mm. <clears throat> I didn't know my koro, but uh, Hare, my dad, told me a lot about the, you know, the, the, my grandfather's coming and goings and work and around the around the city. Mm. Uh, he was uh, he was a labourer. Um, he broke in farms a lot. He was what they say with three men in a dray. Mm. That, that kind of shows how you know, the kind of work ethic he had with a shovel in hand and wow. and how incredibly strong he was. Mm. Mm. So the um, the the area of Innes Common that was filled in would have been full of kai and and the resources you've already mentioned, um, the harakiki and the um, yeah, the materials used that they traded up to Auckland. So, was there any other or any other kai in particular that was 
uh, very, you know, significant to that area or... Oh, yeah. plentiful. Um, eels. Plentiful. Oh. Yeah, a lot of eels. Um, like. <clears throat> what is now Colombo Street, my um, my grand-auntie, Mrs. Liza Fatu, established uh, Te Pūnua Te Ora, which oh, is now Te Rau mm. in 1940. Uh, but she was actually helped. Uh, when they built the first, built the, the hostel, uh, Dame... Uh, oh, she was the Dame Hilda Ross. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> Dame Hilda Ross actually got involved and helped uh, fun, uh, fundraise for the hostel. The reasons being is that a lot of Pākehā at the time would not give accommodation to Māori. Mm. So many of them were living, were sleeping under, under the bridges, sleeping under trees out in the open. And it wasn't, it wasn't good. So what my grand-auntie did was set up a hostel, which was uh, Te Pūna o Te Ora. Mm. But she's also a direct descendant again of Gati Koda. Aye. See, okay. a generation back uh, mm. to, uh, to her grandmother. Mm. That uh, she was already in that area. Mm. Um, wow. Breaking and drains, mm. and um, had land uh, what is now Higgins Road. Mm. So they were there from day one. So there, that is never my, left. Uh, never yeah, left. Never so that's left. a near unbroken connection Aye, I have to my to my grandmother's mm. line. Mm. Um, because <clears throat> yeah, his sister was Mrs. Fatu. Hmm. So there are probably, uh, there are people, I don't know whether many people would remember Mrs. Fatu now. She died in 1962. She's buried in the uh, Hamilton uh, East Cemetery. Hmm. And she was given a special award by uh, recognition to her services. Hmm. Uh, the, the Queen's Coronation Medal of 1953. Ah. So she was a very prominent Māori leader yeah. in, the, in, the, in the town oh. at the time. Mm. So, so my grandmother and her and her sisters, uh, being the strong-willed woman that they were, they mm. fundraised, they 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 did a lot Gee. of uh, charity work in the community, Aye. you know, to help Māori. Mm -hmm. They uh, valued their relationships with Pākehā as well, mm -hmm. and that also, I, su I suppose, that kind of relationship building helped my dad. Mm. into the role that he had as, as, as co-martyr of the city mm -hmm. and also the connection he had with his auntie. He had a special connection with his auntie, mm. yeah, Mrs Fatu. And, um, <clears throat> and also, it's that family ancestral history coming through again. Aye. Yeah, um, but they used to get eels out of that lake. <laughs> yeah, and take them back to yeah, the take hostel. The, yeah, take them back to the hostel and, yeah. uh, and prepare them there. Yeah. And uh, so, and freshwater mussel was another one. Aye. Um, uh, so, f freshwater mussel, or the kyle. So there's a lake. Uh, uh, it, should, it should really shouldn't be called Rotogairi. It should be called Rotokayo. Right. Because that lake is where the where the um, ah, the 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 yeah, so the, uh, those uh, freshwater mussels used to taste like rubber. Oh, I, used to, uh, <laughs> I hear you said that, yeah. Yeah. But the, <laughs> I think, I think you horrible. might have tried to, tried one on the, yeah. on the sly once, thinking yeah. you'd found something, and it turned out to be not so not so your cup of tea. Yeah, so <laughs> they were in the jar. I got back from school, primary school, and I thought, yeah. oh, these look like nice fat oysters. Yeah. Uh, they were, yeah. Uh, yuck. <laughs> but chewy. 
Maybe, maybe, maybe old fashioned chewing gum was the idea. Uh, maybe boiled gumboot. <laughs> oh, boiled gumboot. Oh, yeah, okay. that's probably the closest taste. Yeah, not, not so fresh tasting. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. But anyway, the the the, the lake was a was a kai source, and it and it fed a vast numbers of people, and yeah. a, and a hostel um, was able to benefit from from the kai there, yeah. and and enjoy <clears throat> that, yeah. And also to mm. the ducks. Yeah, the ducks. Okay. Were, the, eaten ducks. Eaten, eaten Eat ducks, ducks? Uh, duck okay. eggs, all sorts of things. So, oh. yeah, uh, my uh, grandma. Duck eggs. Duck oh, eggs. Kapoi. So, mm. going around gathering uh, duck eggs, uh, mm. geese, swans, duck. Oh, okay. So, all array of, of uh, wet, uh, oh, wet the wetland bird, um, birds were, yeah. were, were cooked. Okay. Were, were brought back. Yeah. And, and, well, it's uh, probably eaten. quite a good way of keeping populations <laughs> balanced, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, and yeah, uh, they, mm. they had the freshwater coda, you know, freshwater crayfish. Um, mm. They they um, had uh, yeah, the there was a when I think about it, there was a particular there was a particular fish that my late uncle uh, right. Roro Tepuke was named after. Uh, Roro was mm. his name, but so this this fish was called a upokororo, mm. and um, it, I don't know what. Wiped it out. Um, it, was it was all, all around, eh? It was all around. It was mm. very common in the swamps. Uh, How big was it? I'm not too sure. Oh, I'm not too okay. sure. It's, um, but it was a good eating one. It was a good eating one. It was a grayling of some sort. Mm. Uh, I actually brought that up in a conversation at, uh, region, at the, with a, in a meeting with a regional council. Mm. <clears throat> and Professor Brendan, is it Brendan Hicks, was yeah, there? Yeah. Mm. He uh, looked at me with total surprise that I knew something about it. Oh, okay. And I said, yeah, that's, that's my late uncle's uh, day because it was a favourite food of my mm. great-grandmother. Mm. Uh, that's a, that's on my Ngāti Wairere side, that was my Pukelai. Aye. And uh, Uncle Roro was a first cousin to Hari. Oh, okay. So the food, um, so this, uh, this, this species of fish, apparently... Or oh, its related species actually exist in the waterways of, of South Australia. Mm. Um, so it'll be. I understand that they're supposed to be preserved samples of the Upokororo and Museum of uh, Natural History in London, mm. which was collected in the eighteen sixties. Mm. So the last accounts of the Upokororo being seen here and in, in, in here uh, about was about uh, eighteen eighteen seventy five. Ah, and it was gone. I think the yeah. I wonder why. Probably just the drainage of the swamps, <coughs> maybe the I, intense. I, I tend to think some vi- some virus must have uh, uh, hit the fish with the introduction. Of the, the 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 honest answer, we don't really know. No. Um, until we do further research. Right. And it we we can only surmise possibly with the introduction of uh, exotic fish that might have uh, been near the mice, mm. like the uh, the trout. And, and uh, another thing, the yeah, other creatures like that. Yeah, well, We'd, you told me about your uh, moi moya to have this uh, fish returned from Aussie to Aotearoa. So yes. these things may happen with time. If right? the if the if we are able to get a sample of that uh, of that preserved sample, um, mm. wherever they where, wherever they are, mm. if the DNA matches the Australian line. Oh, kapai. Yep. Mm. Which uh, hopefully it does. Mm. Then there could be a case here to to reintroduce it, mm. or if it's not, but it's close, then it's it's like fuck up papa. If oh, one line oh, dies oh. off, yeah. another the next relative 
mm. carries the the modi or the the mana wow that would be so amazing yeah yeah well, i think um <clears throat> if we lobby for a um a, a almost like like mm. we look at a freshwater aquatic center center yeah 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 that we for our tamariki, yeah, for our tamariki yeah all the learning <clears throat> Right. Yeah, and it becomes, um, you know, this, a place of cultural, really of cultural importance, of, but also of, of scientific research and, and mm. inquiry mm. into, you know, our white bait is, uh, is threatened and so of our tuna. So you may have to look at how do we ensure that our lake can actually be a, a repository. Right. Well, a, it's a, right there too, eh? It's right it's there. It's right there, so... Yeah. In terms of accessibility to this um, wonderful space, that's that's you know the, there's nothing to do there. It's right there. Mm. Um, so yeah, this is your dream. This is your moi moia for our lake yep. to see uh, it developed into a a centre for like Waifakariki. Yep. So a centre for yep. people to come, enjoy, discover. Um, and and for the um, kai, um, as you've already pointed out, to be restored to to how it was, I or, or you know yeah. to, to to how much we can do. Obviously, there will be limits given the urbanisation of it now. But stormwater off run from the roads that, that doesn't help. So there has to be some some in, in, inventive and mm. um, innovative uh, approaches to how to deal with um, stormwater. Pollutants going into the into the lake. Mm. I think the ultimate dream is to make it swimmable again. I I I. I think um, if I heard Professor Brendan Hicks on occasion, oh, he, he reckons he'd hop in there he now. Is, so kapoi. We still have to see that though. Yeah. I think we should have a test of that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I reckon near that in his common area, he could have a little plunge. We could yeah. we could have a test. Yeah, we'll just watch. So Brendan, the same if distance. you're listening, well, well, that's what. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try not to read books on radiation sickness and things like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, the, the one of the main <clears throat> issues, and as you've already pointed out, there's the runoff, but there's also the um, the bacteria, and they link that to the um, to the waterfowl. Which, why, what I was interested in particular was your um, corridor around the the ducks being a source of kai and the and the eggs as well. Um, so that that's really interesting. You know, Papa informs us, say about things that we can do and gives us ideas for the now so yeah well the whakapapa for me is, is the stories that we're headed down mm. <clears throat> um, I mean I'm not that far removed of, of, of at least two or three generations mm. from people who ate down in that lake I mm. mean mm. I'm only talking about my grandparents generation mm. I think people still fish there I do see occasionally yeah mm. <clears throat> but I'm not sure <laughs> oh, what they're catching the, uh, <laughs> but uh, Carp? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, not sure, but yeah. So there's a there's a lot about that about that lake. Um, <clears throat> we don't know who actually named it at the moment. Ah, oh. uh, Rotorua, but oh. it means long lake. Mm. Um, when it came immediately after the land was as I met as I mentioned earlier, there was a, a surveyor called George Blackburn in his Blackburn Street in Franktony. And George Blackburn um, uh, surveyed a number of well, the town belts that extended that 
the earliest town bells and there were reserves that he surveyed. One of them was around where the water tower is, around that area, and down Palmerston Street. So when you go to Palmerston Street on your, if you're coming uh, up from uh, the round of, uh, when you're coming up uh, past uh, Countdown and you come up and you turn right, you go up Palmerston Street towards the hospital. Aye. Well, on that side of the road, that was a reserve. Oh. My grandfather had Aye. land in that block. Mm-hmm. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, he uh, sadly got dwindled out of that. Uh, out of that uh, block of land there. Huh. He didn't have, a, he had a portion and so for what I understand that he had a bit of, a little bit of land there overlooking that there was a gully which oh. uh, Cobbin, Cobbin Drive actually aye, runs aye, down aye, the middle aye. of. Well, there was Te, a, uh, near Terapa Park ah, too. Near Park. Aye, aye. Well that whole block there was called Te, te, ta, te, te Tawhara Nui. Te Tawhara Nui. Mm. was this uh, kekia fruit that uh, grew up in the, in the trees and it was very sweet. Oh. It's a delicacy. And uh, that fruit uh, it had a taste between a passion fruit and a banana in one. True. Gee. And uh, and the flower was very sweet. Mm. So that block of Lainia uh, was called Te, te, te Tawharanui. Mm. So often when I walk around those, uh, you know, walk around that area to try to Very significant, hey. I, I keep alive the the names of those old Aye. blocks, the whakapapa of the Tupul and oh. ancestors that lived on that land, oh. uh, where my grandfather... Often names connected to Kai, yeah. eh, and yeah. The, yeah. what was there. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. mm. Rua Kiwi Road gets its name from a cave of Kiwis that oh, were aye. inhabiting the area. Oh. Um, and because that uh, that very top of the hill was what was, was a taubata, uh, an observation point. Uh. So uh, the tupuna of, uh, of my tupuna would go up there and karakia, <coughs> and mm. also uh, talk to the patupaiarehe or aye, aye. shoot them off. <laughs> um, but that place there, shoot them off, yeah. shoot, shoot, yeah. So contrary oh. to popular hearsay, uh, people claim that there was a pa there then. A pa where this common as well. Pa's don't uh, grow legs and walk and move all over the place. <coughs> oh, yeah. yeah. Lots of stories, eh? And yeah. you've got to figure out, out the stories. But um, we're, we're running out of time with our corridor here. And I just want to thank you so much, um, Wedemu, for your time and um, your corridor uh, today. I think it's really important that we honour those uh, stories and recognise the uh, place of mana whenua here and uh, for the vision too uh, going forward for our lake. So namahi kia koe. So we've had uh, Wiramu Puki in with us um, to Kōrero, which has been awesome. Um, so Hepuna Kōrero is a podcast hosted by GoEco. Uh, we are a non-profit environmental hub with biodiversity, kai, transport, and enterprise projects. You can find out more about our, on our website, uh, goeco.org.nz. Um, join us again next week for a new episode, but make sure you follow or subscribe to Hepuna Kōrero on your favourite podcast so you don't miss an episode. Kia pai tora e hōna.
For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.